let's give it up for the worship team this morning. Well, we're doing our at the movies, and just to clear everything up, we're not showing movies at night. We're not meeting at the theater. We're not uh, coming back tonight to watch some marathon. We're just taking clips from movies because they speak volumes, and Jesus did things like that of taking ordinary things that he saw during the day. Now, they didn't have movies back then, back then. Um, but they did have plays, and they did have drama. I don't know if you know that, because that's where we get the word hypocrite. Did you know that? A hypocrite meant the person behind the mask. And so this was very common for people uh, during those days to see uh, tragedies and dramas and things like this. And Jesus would point to things and use them as examples. And so I want to set the scene this morning as we're talking about uh, superheroes and uh, uh, specifically from this one from the Avengers movie. What a, a powerful scene we're going to see here is that uh, uh, a trial, uh, a tragedy has come upon uh, the modern day people and Nick Fury, who's kind of the head over, over this gathering, has pulled together these extraordinary people with superpowers. But the problem is that they really didn't work together very well. And after this, this big confrontation where they're all doing their own thing and it doesn't turn out like they thought it was going to turn out, and one of the agents that has been uh, with them for a long time, a special agent, ends up dying uh, because of their inability to stop the evil. And we see that Nick Fury steps up to address what's going on, and, and we'll see that maybe it's, it resonates with you this morning as to, as to what we can and should do uh, with our individual lives. So uh, go ahead and play that clip if you would, Gwen. These were in Phil Coulson's jacket. Guess he never did get you to sign them. We're dead in the air up here. Our communications, location of the cube, banner, door. I got nothing for you. Lost my one good eye. Maybe I had that come. Yes, we were going to build an arsenal with the Tesseract. I never put all my chips on that number, though, because I was playing something even riskier. There was an idea. Stark knows this. Called the Avengers Initiative. The idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people see if they could become something more see if they could work together when we needed them to to fight the battles that we never could Phil Coulson died still believing in that idea and he wrote It's an old-fashioned notion. 
you good morning again. I only have a little bit of time, so I don't have time for small talk or to make you laugh, so I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, if you haven't noticed, there's a direct parallel here this morning. This is a room full of people who have been gifted. Uh, we all have a different origin story. Uh, we don't have superpowers, but we all have someone very super powerful abiding on the inside. That's pretty amazing, right? So here we are. We're all sitting here in the same room. We're all fighting personal battles, but we all have a shared mission. We're all trying to become more like Christ, right? We're all seeing personal growth. We're all developing as human beings and people, but we share a co-mission. We've been commissioned to make disciples and reproduce ourselves, but we also share a common enemy. So this morning I want to talk briefly about the importance of encouraging one another because we are having to work together. We're all in the kingdom work. You feel it? It's moving through the room right now. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11 says, comfort each other or encourage each other and build each other up. I like the way the message says it. It says, now speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so that you're all in this together. No one's left out and no one's left behind. I want you to feel the weight of that this morning. That whatever gift or ability you bring to the table, the person sitting next to you is equally valuable. Their gifts and their abilities are just as necessary. Sometimes I think the struggle inside of us is to be seen and to feel valued. But sometimes I'm telling you, when you express value, you feel valued. So I want to talk to you this morning just briefly. The first thing that says is speak encouraging words. This is a gift that we all have. The power of life and death is in our tongue. I'm going to tell you, growing up and even as a young adult, I was always very critical. I was very negative. My thoughts always started negative. I always saw the worst. I always saw what wasn't working, and I always felt like it would never change. As I begin to grow and as the Holy Spirit just began to transform me, I came across Ephesians 4.29, and it changed my life. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearer. We have incredible responsibility for the words that we speak. If you're speaking to someone or you're speaking about someone, those words should build up. Those words should express the grace of your heavenly father. That no matter how lousy of a person you think they are, that you see the potential in them for change because that's what grace does. Encourage one another. We all have the ability to speak life. It may be difficult to find the good, but I'm telling you, don't speak the bad. You will be held accountable for the words that flow out of your mouth. The power of life and death are in your tongue. How do you give hope? You remind somebody that you have a shared hope, that you're fighting for something bigger than you are, and someone bigger than you are is fighting for you. Share hope this morning. Build hope this morning so that we're all in it together. Another way that you can encourage somebody is to recognize their gifts. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a little embarrassing. My gift is to recognize that other people have giftings that I don't have. I'm really good at seeing what other people are good at, and then I do get a little kick out of getting them involved in something. Um, 
I'm going to tell on myself, Kim Dole is excellent at meal planning. So something came up recently, and, I, and there's somebody that's kind of in need, and they needed meals. And I'm going to tell you right now, meals are not my gifting. I don't do anything in the kitchen. That is not my gifting. And so immediately I thought, Kim Dole is good at meals. I'm going to do, I'm going to get her involved. Recognize what somebody else can do well. And I'm telling you, when you begin to network with people who flow in something you don't flow in, everybody's going to come up a level. Recognize somebody else's gifting. Recognize what somebody else does well. There's nothing more encouraging than somebody seeing what you do and acknowledging it. Recognize what someone does well. Now I'm going to tell on Ted. Last Sunday or a couple Sundays ago, I was in the coffee shop, and after service, he came up to me and he said, you know, you're really good at such and such, but you're also good at such and such and such. Now I'm, I'm a pretty confident person, so I don't necessarily need people to float my boat, but I'm going to tell you, when Ted said that, I felt something kind of lift up inside of me and my shoulders went back a little bit. It feels good to be seen. Encourage somebody by acknowledging what they do well. Be involved, but get them involved as well. It's encouraging to know that somebody sees your contribution. So see somebody's contribution. Speak an encouraging word and acknowledge their gifts. Acknowledge their battles and their victories. I don't know if you guys are a fan of Marvel. <laughs> But I'll tell you what happens a lot of times is there are these epic battle scenes, right? Hulk is smashing. He's doing Hulk things. Captain is deflecting with his shield, and he's doing Captain things. Iron Man's flying around, and he's taking care of business in the sky. But if you'll notice, every once in a while, they turn, and they look at the battles going on around them, and then they come in, and they help their friends. We are all fighting battles. But if you want to encourage someone, acknowledge the battle that they're fighting and get involved. You want to encourage somebody? Come alongside of them in their fight and fight with them. Lift their hands. Pray with them. You know, there is such powerful encouragement in saying, I'm praying for you. But you know what really moves a person is when you grab hold of their hand and you say, let me pray with you, and you pray with them. Encourage somebody today. Fight alongside them today. acknowledge their battles and their victories. Some of us have a hero mentality. And maybe that's your gifting, rescuing, saving the day. But sometimes you have to acknowledge when somebody else is killing it. My gosh, you're doing fantastic. My gosh, you've been clean and sober six months. I want to celebrate with you. I want to say praise God. You're doing amazing. Sometimes you have to celebrate when somebody's doing well. That's encouraging. That's encouraging to them. You see me? You see me succeeding? That's amazing. And you know what? It bolsters them. It strengthens them. They can put their shoulders back and say, I am doing an incredible job. I am getting it done. Celebrate with them. Share their victories today. You know how you make sure no one's left behind? You know how you make sure that no one's left out of the fight? See them. See them when they're fighting. See them when they're winning. See them when they're losing. Step in the battle with them this morning. Speak life over them. Build hope. Acknowledge their giftings. And recognize their battles and their victories this morning. Let's encourage one another.
Let's speak encouraging words to one another. Let's build up hope this morning so that no one's left out and no one's left behind. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed, share their burdens, and so complete the law of Christ. This Dieter was stating, we know our we can see our struggles and our losses, and we can see our victories, and we can celebrate those, and we need to encourage one another. But what happens when something tragic happens? That's what makes a story interesting, is it not? It's the tragedy. It's the, it's the defeat that makes things intriguing. Today, one of the, there are superheroes today that struggle to find their relevance because of their ability or lack thereof to be uh, vulnerable, and a stark reality is is that we are all vulnerable. In fact, we all fit into two unpleasant categories: a victim or a villain. And nobody wants to be the villain. One of my favorite movies, my favorite heroes, is not a Marvel hero. Even though I do love all things superhero, my family can attest to that. But there's a quote from the Dark Knight uh, movie with uh, Batman where. Harvey Dent, who is a, an inspiring public figure who's stamping out bad things. And he makes a statement just over dinner one night. You know, you either are a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. And I think when it comes to restoration and what Paul is speaking about to us through the book of Galatians, none of us ever see ourselves as a villain. We never really see ourselves being down that path. But the very fact that the cross and redemption, the redemptive work of Christ covers restoration speaks something to me. Not only does God want our, is we, have, should I, we have our armor polished and, and ready, but in fact there's going to be times maybe there's something in us that will come out that is less than glorious. And when that happens, we need something, and that's called hope. We need to know two things. Is restoration really necessary? Is this just me? Or also, is restoration really possible? And I think in the society we live in, there is a pervasive, onward, ongoing message that the things that we used to look at and say, well, we really should address that in our life, has become we should just accept that in our life. And not always as an admission of just who we are, but there's nothing you can do about it. There's really nothing wrong with it anyway, is there? After all, aren't we still dealing with that same problem? So we start to doubt, is it really necessary, some of the things we're fighting so hard to see whole? But this morning, it's not about us fighting to get someone to be fixed. It's about the hope that there is something different than my current normal. There is something different than my current stuck. So when, matter of fact, one statement I want to read to you just basically says that 
a relaxed attitude towards sin or an ignorance of our sin nature is really what keeps us from seeing the necessity of being restored. I want to read this uh, to you by a guy named Bruce Marino. Sin shades every aspect of human existence. This is a gnarly statement. It's very general for those who dabble in theology. But it's enticing us from the outside as an enemy and compelling us from the inside as a part of our fallen human nature. In this life, sin is known intimately, yet it remains alien and mysterious. It promises freedom, but it enslaves us, producing desires that cannot be satisfied. The more we struggle to escape its grasp, the inextricably it binds us. Which brings us to the last point I want to share with you of is restoration possible? Restoration is possible, this morning scripture teaches, through two outlets. First and foremost, because one is predicated on the other, is Christ and what he's accomplished. But without doubt, restoration is also delivered to the doorstep of the church. It is delivered to your, your doorstep and mine as agents of restoring. Um, I like the word when it says to restore them in a spirit of meekness, another translation says. But it seems like we lack that creativity and a spiritual creativity because that word spirit there, the pneuma word pneuma, means actually a vertical connection in the spirit. In other words, the divine spirit of God enables us to show people grace that we otherwise just couldn't do, show grace to. And it also means horizontally, meaning it's never meant for us to just make a platitude or a comment about, I sure hope it turns around for them. That's not good enough. That's, that, that's not God's intent. But in fact, to be involved. I have a dear friend, and I will give a very encapsulated story that lift weights with, worked with, laughed with, talked about all kinds, debated with, um, went shooting, spent time together, got to know, got became best of friends, and had a moral failure. And his story was, is knowing, knowing my friend, he was the good guy. Me, we'd get together, we'd talk about our families, about our marriage. We'd talk about stuff there's no way you could talk about in public. We were talking about things, the issues, the just nitty-gritty stuff. And you know what? I knew this guy's heart, and I knew who he was. And his heart was absolutely for his family. He had a father who left him. He had a father who had went around and had affairs on his mom, and he said, that's not me. He said he would get so ang- got so angry with his father one day, even though he loved his dad, and he would go and see him and talk to him and say, why, why? Why did you do? Why couldn't we have been a family? Grew up in Compton, California, in a real tough neighborhood. But nevertheless, I saw this guy being a righteous man. He was on a mission for his family. So you can imagine what I felt when I received a, a, a messenger from his wife and things were going awry. When I left three years ago, this was a guy who was all about the most important priorities. And now he had stumbled And not only that, now the family was in jeopardy. And so as he struggled with this and he went forth with these issues, in in my time running out here, that's my fault. I kind of waded into this. I should have waded in sooner. If you want to hear about it, you can definitely look about it on the Facebook page. He's got it there. But Mike went through a struggle of faith, almost losing his faith. And when you hear those words, I kind of chuckled to myself because I know some people's minds say, well, he lost faith or he went to do what he did. Well, he was talking about it on a different level. He was talking about it and his, I don't know if God really for me. 
But you and I become agents of restoration to villains, not just victims this morning. Today, Mike has been in counseling. Him and his wife have reconciled. They are in the same house, and they have their battles. But you know what? They are still going to counseling. And one of the things he said that stood out to me and when he shared in his testimony was, he said, I had the body of Christ, and I didn't utilize them. I isolated myself. This morning, you're an agent of restoration, victim or villain. We are called to lift others up and put them back in right place with God. This movie clip that we saw is truly one of my favorites in this whole movie. That's because it's the only clip I've seen of the movie. (laughs) And I've seen it five times just to prepare for this. It's my favorite clip. I didn't even know who most of these people were. I had to ask other people on my shirt that I got at Walmart for $7.83. But I do love what Nick Fury says. He's the eye patch guy. I even had to ask Tony, who's, what's the name of that guy? Eye patch guy. What's his name? But this is what I do love about this clip. It says, there was an idea. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something better or something more. Did you get that? There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could bring, be something more. Church, that's what God wants for us today. He brought all of you to this place today to see if we could become a better new life and a better group of people for him and his kingdom. Are you willing to be a superhero today? We'll see. Because this is what you have to do. In order for us to become this remarkable group of people, we must learn to love and forgive one another. Love and forgive. And that's where it's hard. That's where the difficulty comes in. Loving and forgiving one another is hard. It's hard. Some of us are better at loving. Some of us are better at forgiving. But love and forgiveness is personal. It's just you and that other person. It's you and God. Another hero can't come in and do this for you. It's you and God and that person. It comes down to us. It's very individual. But if you think about it, love and forgiveness are somewhat linked. If there's not love, it'll be very difficult to forgive if there is not love. If there's not forgiveness, we aren't showing love. So love and forgiveness are very important together. Jesus says in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I think this is amazing that here Jesus is on the scene and he says this new commandment, forget about the old, well, don't forget about them, still do them, but there's something better here. If we love one another, like I have loved you, that's what he's commanded us, things will change. Of all the things Jesus could have commanded for us to do, do not lie, do not steal, do not gossip, do not murder, do not, do not, do not. We have a lot of do nots. But here he's saying there's something new I want you to do. 
I want you to love. And I don't want you to love the way you think about loving. I want you to love the way I have loved you. It's a whole different level of love we got going on here. His command for us was to love one another. You see, if we love one another, all of those do nots, all of those relationship issues, they'll take care of themselves if you love one another as I have loved you. See, we live our lives feeling that love is just a feeling. That it's just love. I, I love, you know that Twitter-pated little thumper love? Oh, he's Twitter-pated. No, love is so much more than a feeling. It's an action. How do you know that someone loves you? They have to do something. They actually have to say, I love you. That's an action. They spend time with you. That's an action. They bring you flowers. Or in Tony's case, I bring him jerky by the bags. I love you. Here's some jerky. You take the garbage out. Love is an action. So if we're just saying to people, oh, love ya, love ya, but there's no action there, do you really love? Paul says this in Ephesians 4, 30 through 32. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So I want you to take a moment. And as Tony even talked about this earlier, take a moment and think about all that Christ has forgiven you. Keep thinking. Take a moment. Church, we could sit here all day and think about all the things that Christ has forgiven us. I know my list is long. I don't know about your list. But Christ has forgiven us. And we are to forgive one another as Christ has forgave us. What if Jesus said this when we did something against him? I'm not forgiving you this time. I'm not doing it. You've hurt me too bad. You've gone too far. You've done this too many times. Not forgiving. Church, our Jesus will never do that to us. Never. His forgiveness is always there. But unfortunately, as human beings, we do that to other people. We say, nope, too many times. Nope, you've hurt me too bad. Now, forgiveness and allowing people to continue stupidity is very different. But forgiveness is saying, I don't care what they do, I forgive. There's a difference there. But our Jesus will never do that, and we have no right to do that to anybody else. I know forgiveness is hard. I've had to forgive. And I know each one in this room has had to forgive. It takes more than superhero strength. It takes supernatural, spirit-led strength to forgive. We can truly be a superhero in this area when we allow the supernatural, the God of the universe, the Holy Spirit that wants to reside and live in us and to guide and direct us. That's how we truly forgive is only through Christ.
If love and forgiveness were superheroes, they would weld great power. Think about how our world would change, even how your family would change if there was love and forgiveness. But how much more would our community, our schools, our workplaces, everywhere that we go, if we practice love and forgiveness, what a difference our world would be. Love and forgiveness are more powerful than superhero strength and muscles. And if we're going to be the remarkable people God wants us to be, we have to forgive and love one another. It's mandated. It's commanded. We can't love and forgive the way we think. We can't love and forgive our way. We have to love and forgive like Jesus, unconditionally and every time. So I want to encourage you this morning, love one another, forgive one another. that movie clip, um, I think it speaks to especially what the Apostle Paul would say to us today if, if he were here to, to talk to us, what the disciples would say. And I don't know if you sense what I'm sensing in the world, but there's a, there's a place in the world now where it seems like people think that it's so hard that they're backing away from their faith, they're backing away from their families, they're backing out of churches, they're and, and it's not because God doesn't love them, but we've forgotten how to play together. We've forgotten that God designed us for teamwork. And I know this is going to sound, in the words of Nick Fury, old-fashioned, but the digital connections of social media and your phone cannot replace human connections. And I want to read you that part of the script again in the, in the context of what Paul would say to you this morning. This is what Paul would say. There was an idea called the church. The idea was to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more, to see if they could work together when we needed them to. Jesus died believing in that idea. And then he ends as there seems to be some unbelief in the, in the scene. Well, it was an old-fashioned idea. Jesus predicated all that he'd lived and died for on that idea, that he would, he would begin the church, and that's you and that's me. It's not the building, it's us. And he's still expecting it to happen. And as the world spins and burns and does all that it does, it needs us more than ever. It doesn't need people disconnected. It doesn't need people just doing their own thing. He needs a group of remarkable people, you and me, to get along and to show the world that peace can be had regardless of our race, our color, our creed, our background, our mess, our socioeconomic status, or any of that stuff. But the problem is we're all gifted and we're all individuals and we tend to just do our own thing and yet Christ says there's something more I've called you to. I want you to come together as a team despite all the glaring differences, despite all the mess that you've been in. It doesn't really matter where you've come from. That doesn't have to define you. And he leaves us this great passage 
as, as Paul speaks to uh, the church in Ephesians, and, and this is what he's saying. He, he begins in, in chapter 4 by saying that there's been gifts given to the church and that we're supposed to operate like a body. And, and, and beginning in, in verse 14, he says, when we begin to understand this, when we, when we finally decide we're going to work together, then we'll no longer be immature like children. Think about what, how children act, right? Mine, mine, you hurt me, you said this, mine, and they just, they're only thinking about them. He said, but when we finally grasp this, then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Think about that. There's people that go astray just because somebody says something new and it's not even in the Bible. It's not even what Jesus had taught and yet they're going to chase after it usually because it meets some personal need instead of realizing that we're here for each other. We're not going to be blown about with wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Now let me tell you some trends, but it's also followed up with truth. We, we probably hear a lot about millennials and how they this and how they that. And, and I'll tell you this. I think that millennials want as much spirituality and want as much of Jesus as any other group of people that have existed. But the fact is they're leaving the church at an unprecedented rate. And I believe that the problem is us, not them. They haven't seen us be the church. They haven't seen the bright and glorious, powerful thing that Jesus has created. They've seen cool church, and they've seen separated church, and they've seen arguing church, and they've seen wayward church, and they've seen, but they haven't seen the group of remarkable people that God wanted to come together to be something more. And I believe if we show the world that, it'll be attractive. I believe if we show the world that, it'll get their attention. I believe if we show the world that we are not perfect people, but we are a group of called people, of sent people, of saved people. And you may be sitting here this morning saying, yeah, that's an old-fashioned idea. And I would say, it's what Jesus died for. He didn't have a plan B. He didn't say, hey, if this doesn't work out, switch to digital church. Where you just sit at home, you watch it on your screen, you choose your worship, you do your, you check out, you stay in your pajamas, you stay isolated. You see, he never said any of that. In fact, he knew that we were going to need each other more as it gets worse out there. Not less. Look what he says. Instead, instead of believing these tricks, these clever things that are people saying, instead we're going to speak the truth in love. We're going to grow in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. That's us. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Think about that. When we come together, he makes us fit together perfectly. It's not you. It's not trying to blend in. Listen, you fit here this morning no matter where you've come from or where you've been, and you don't have to fake it because if you have to fake it, it's not really fitting in. What makes you fit in is Jesus Christ. What makes you part of the body is Jesus Christ. Not knowing the right words, not dressing a certain way, not having the right look or, or, or where you sit or where you work. What makes you fit perfectly is Jesus. 
He makes the whole body fit together. Look at this. As each part does its own special work, you have special work here, church. It helps the other parts grow. What's your special work? What do you need to start doing so that you can prompt somebody else to start doing? Look at that. He says, when we do our own special work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And that's Paul just speaking to a church thousands and thousands of years ago, but I see it as something so relevant this morning. I hope that you see it too. As this world tries to pull us and divide us and the world is, is bitter and angry right now, and, but it's not the first time we act like we're so surprised. This is not the first time. Paul had to deal with this in the church too, say, hey, everything's trying to pull us apart. That's all the more reason to come together. How about we show them what love looks like? How about we show them that regardless of where we've been, regardless of what we look like, regardless of our age, what if we lay down all those labels of of generation this, generation that, millennial this or that, or what about we just lay it down and we just become people loved by God, forgiven by God? What if we just treat each other like people? And we do that work, and, and I'm, I'm making no excuse for this, but it's work. Because when you have to deal with somebody that's different than you, it's work. But he's called us to that type of work. Jesus came perfect, and he came to an imperfect world. He came to a world that was completely not like him, and yet he loved us. And so for us to say, I don't know, these people are so unlike me, welcome to Christianity. That's what he's called us to. He's called us to the people that don't look like us, that don't smell like us, that don't act like us, that don't live like us. That's where the hero in us gets to stand up and say, you know what? I mean, think about this. And I read all the comics when I was a kid, loved all that stuff, still love that stuff. Imagine this, just for a minute. How would you feel about Superman, like the first guy on the scene? He's, he's like the key superhero. Hey, you with me? Cape, muscles. He hears the police report. There's a building burning. He says, I can't go there. Those people are poor. I can't go there. Those people are Jews. Those people are Muslim. Those people are black. Those people are white. Those people don't make enough money. They don't dress the right way. I I can't help them. In fact, I won't help them. What would you think about Superman then? Not so super. (laughs) You see, he had a mandate that regardless, he just helped. And you can't help everybody, but you can help somebody. Church, we are too blessed. We are too blessed. We can't do everything. We can't fix every problem in Cowlitz County, but we can fix some things. (laughs) You can't touch everybody, but you can touch somebody, right? And you need to find that somebody who you probably see them in your daily walk. And we don't need a cause, and we don't need a march, and we don't need a Facebook page. 
We need to get our hearts right again. And we need to line up with what Paul says and realize he's called me to something. And our call is to come together. Our, our call is not to just go it alone because I'll tell you this, we are better together than we are apart. We're stronger together than we are apart. It, it is more complicated, but we're better together than we are apart. Make up your mind this morning. Are you going to continue to isolate yourself? And I'm going to talk to some specific things right here in the church just because it's us. I'm not talking about somebody else. I'm not talking about Africa or another church in town. I'm talking about here. Are you the person that comes late to service because you don't want to see people? You're part of the problem. Are you the person that always leaves early so you don't have to deal with people? You're part of the problem. And you say, I, I've got social anxiety. I've got, I just don't like people. I get that. I get it. So what did Christ do for you? He didn't just save you for you. He saved you to be in the lives of other people. And you don't have to be in the crowd, and you don't have to fake it. But for you to just live for you, to just come when you want and leave when you want and not care about anybody else, that is not what Christianity is about. And you're part of the problem. When we separate ourselves by names from other churches, we're part of the problem. When we separate ourselves by race, we're part of the problem. We've got to decide that people are people and we're going to come together to be a remarkable group of people that can be something more. So I want to ask you to stand with me this morning as we get ready to go. There's something remarkable about you. He has gifted you a certain way. question is will you be part of the team and I'm not calling you to my team (laughs) I'm calling you to God's team the church and the church is universal we just meet here in this little establishment for, for us but every Sunday you know what millions of people around the world gather as part of God's team So I want to challenge you. Who's, who's the somebody this week that you need, to, you need to separate the space between you and begin to encourage them like Dieter said? Who's the person you know, maybe it's a close friend that needs to be restored, like Tim was talking about? Who needs to be loved and forgiven? That's a big one. <laughs> but even more so, what do you need to do to stop isolating yourself from the people around you and actually be more involved. You can serve. You can give. You can be present. You don't have to be in the 300s, but find somebody that can be part of your world and you can be part of theirs. They need you. We need you. So let's pray, would you? Father, I pray for the person on my right and my left this morning. God, help us to be a group of remarkable people called the church. Remarkable means that we take note, that we actually mark that there's something different about them. So, Lord, we're not called to blend in. We're called to stand out. We're called to be remarkable, not irremarkable. Lord, not unremarkable. We are called to stand out. God, none of us 
have to have special devices and superpowers. The superpower we've been given is the freedom of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, as we leave this place, would you help us to learn to encourage? Would you help us, God, to restore? Would you help us to love and forgive? And would you help us put aside our own special interests and our own isolation techniques and we begin to come together as a group of remarkable people? to become something more, to to keep Jesus alive for another generation, to, to save the following generation that's never seen the church glorious and, and wonderful and victorious. They've only seen the church separated and defeated. Lord, that is not your church. So, Lord, would you change our minds this morning about who we are and how we are? God, would you encourage us this morning to remember that you have called us, you have made us, you are sending us. When we go out of this place, we're not just called for Sunday, but we're called for all the other days as well. God, we give you all the glory and the praise. You are the head of this body, the church. Help us to live it out, God. Help us to stop being the problem and start being the mature ones. Start being the ones that work together as a team. In Jesus' mighty name.